feel like the past two episodes that I've been doing is like me reaching back to a young Maggie and saying, Oh, right. This is really good music. And, and this is who I am. And these are like, like the music like really represents who I am. This is the music that built Maggie. Yes. And then, but I didn't get as into it as I should have when I was younger. And now mm-hmm. I'm like getting into it now. And it's all the background it. shit that influenced you, but you didn't realize was influencing you. Yeah, pretty much. And it's all the shit that Ashley will hate. <laughs> Like, I am, like, doing, like, the complete antithesis of anything you actually like. This was all the stuff that would come up on MTV when I was getting ready for school in the morning when MTV actually played videos. Yeah. And I would look at it and be like, I'm not fucking watching this and turn it off. And I'd be like, but this is really good. We'd be, like, college roommates. And I'd be like, hey, did, did you hear the new Prodigy song? It's real good. And you'd be like, oh, God, my roommate's such an idiot. <laughs> I'm gonna go to this underground rave tonight. You want to go? No, no I don't at is, all. No, I'd be like, what the fuck is a rave? No, no. There's this rave in a barn. It's down the street. It's gonna be so cool. And then I'd be like, I don't drink. You theoretically shouldn't drink when you go to a rave. You really shouldn't. There's really only one thing you should do when you go to a rave. But then I'd be like, I don't do drugs. But jokes on you. I've been to. I've worked festivals that I guess are raves because it's all electronica. And it's like a f- outdoor festival at that point. If it's just people high off their faces, that's just Woodstock. Yeah, it's Woodstock, but electric music instead, okay. electronica music. So I don't know. But the point, and I was in Ireland, so I don't know. Take from that what <laughs> well, you will. <laughs> you just ruined your point. <laughs> Did I ruin it, or is this? I think Americans would be like, "This is a rave." Meanwhile, like Europeans would just be like, "This is just like what fun is, guys." The point this is, is just a night out at the discotheque. <laughs> oh yes, we go to real cool discotheques. <laughs> Met some real sweet ladies at the discotheques. <laughs> yes, that's what it was like. But the but point beers is... were so expensive; they cost me four dollars twenty. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, the point was, I did those. Like, I would stay out all night, like pretty much stone cold sober, except for like a couple times but that like, is I... my worst nightmare but like a rave is bad enough but a rave sober holy fuck i'd rather shove th- like things up my nose i don't care what it is just distract me from be... here if i have to be here just make me feel pain because that's the only thing that will get me through this wow that's awful and that goes no. to show you who i am as a person <laughs> that i would like do these electronica events be like this is fun i don't need to do and i don't i still have never done anything besides like drink booze and like marijuana so marijuana marijuana <laughs> so i mean like i don't even know what it'd be like on ecstasy or cocaine i don't want to know i have no desire to know yeah i'm totally fine getting drunk and wobbling my way home <laughs> that's fine <laughs> fuck you guys i'm wobbling home i'm wobbling home <laughs> She's right. She is wobbling home. Good for her. Boots and pants and boots and pants and boots and pants and boots and pants. Welcome to Rock Candy. <laughs> we are your weekly podcast, giving you sweet treats from the world of music every week. And this week we are talking about an electronica group that you may know, you should love. They're the Prodigy. Boots and Pants. That's their name. 
boots and pants. We're actually just talking about that pig from the Geico commercials. <laughs> yes, we're talking about the prodigy. And we're your hosts, I'm Miyagi. I'm Ashley. Yeah. And we're 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 gonna give you guys a little nostalgia. A yeah. Nostalgia kick on that. Um real nineties, I suppose. 90s? Oh, no, it is 90s. Yeah. It, it was like late 90s. I honestly don't remember when Firestarter came out, but 96. holy fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Did everybody dive into that well? Oh, yeah. There were, I, there were, yeah. There was a little well for the Prodigy, and then they kind of faded out. But it's unfortunate because, like, their music's, listen to their whole discography. I'm like, this shit's really good. I have heard that they are far more than just Firestarter and Smack My Bitch Up, so good for them. So some of it kind of dabbles into Happy Hardcore, which you would fucking hate. Just the name of it alone. (laughs) It's like the most upbeat, fast-paced, on-speed music you've ever heard in your life. It's like house meets trance meets... Sesame Street? That doesn't make any sense. Exactly. (laughs) And I love it. That's like one of my favorite things. When I was in college, I found like a bunch of CDs at FYE. Oh boy. And me and Beth actually bought them and we would just like play them in the CD player that you had to plug into the tape deck. Yep. And like drive around Troy blasting it. And everyone's (laughs) like, who are these fucking douchebags? We're happy and it's hardcore. Get used to it, Troy. But it's not, it's, it's <laughs> electronica. It's not even like rock. Yeah, no. <laughs> Which I now understand that doesn't make sense if you don't know what it is. Anyway, yes. I kind of, do you remember I, I sent you that Dan Deacon song that was just all like cat and dog and duck? Yeah. That, that I feel like that might be somewhat adjacent to happy hardcore. Adjacent. 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 Like, it's just. We're just here to have a good time, man. That song makes me smile. Yeah. It's crazy and it's ridiculous and it's very loud, but I like that song a lot. <laughs> See, there you go. Maybe maybe there's hope for you yet. Maybe we'll go to a rave at a barn sometime. No. No, we won't. Mwah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. I know we said we weren't going to do thematic beers anymore, but I did a thematic beer because it has the word bitch in it and I wanted to drink a beer that has bitch in it. <laughs> Because Prodigy has a song called Smack My Bitch Up. There you go. I'm just saying bitch like this for the rest of the night. They say bitch too much. Bitch. Bitch. Hey, guys, we say bitch a lot. <laughs> so look out for that one. I'm not sorry about it. It's a good word. Can't stop, say won't it. stop. Yeah, pretty Can't much. Can't stop, won't stop. But yes, uh, tonight I'm drinking from Flying Dog Raging Bitch. It is a Belgian IPA. And actually, it's quite lovely. I did not think I would like it. But it's more like a hoppy lager. Yeah. It's thick. Thick IPA. It is. It's a thick beer. Which is probably why I was like, I can't drink all of these. And also, they're eight goddamn percent. That is quite a bit. Like, I know I'm getting old when I'm like, eight <laughs> percent's a lot. Um, I have to go to work tomorrow. I have to work in the morning. I'm just going to have one. Okay, guys? There you go. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm kicking old school. You're drinking hard kombucha, which... I haven't cracked this one open yet. 
We'll see how that goes. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little, I'm a little hesitant on your hard kombucha. Well, you don't like hard com- or you don't like kombucha. Period. No, but you're, I still kind of want to try it. You're not a vinegar person, so Ugh. I don't think that um you would like that. No, but kombucha makes my tummy happy, so that's what I'm gonna drink. Kombucha. No. It's, it's kombucha mixed booze, so it's kombucha. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Get it? Yeah. I did it. Still managed to portmanteau and your face off. This is like close to 5%, so it's not even that 0.5% bullshit that kombucha tries to tell you is alcohol. Hey, it's oh, not. God, be careful. Ooh, it's alcohol. Oh, it's no, it's alcohol. not. Shut up, bitch. Have you met me? I'm drinking 8%. It's as alcoholic as fucking apple, vinegar, apple cider vinegar. Oh, is apple cider vinegar alcoholic? No, that's what I'm saying. Oh, <laughs> I see what you're saying now. I yeah. caught on. Yeah, you get it? No, yeah, we're I cooking with it. gas. Nah, I still got some flints in the back there. We'll get there. <laughs> you got some slow. wet wood in the back. Got some wet wood and a flint. I'll Gotta let there. it dry out. It's, it's trying. <laughs> we'll put it under this tarp. <laughs> uh, anyway, let's talk about the prodigy. Okay. I think that's been enough. Yeah, of our I don't want to talk about metaphorical tarps. So let's talk about prodigy. <laughs> that would be a good band name, though. Metaphorical, metaphorical tarps. tarps. <laughs> I don't remember that one. Hey guys, we're the metaphorical tarps, and uh, got this cover of Creed for you. <laughs> With arms wide open, but it's I don't know. set to the most aggressive dance beat you have ever heard in your life. My God, like I'm telling you, like when this when this podcast thing runs dry, we're gonna get weird instruments and just start a really yeah, weird band. I'm really into this like hardcore beat Creed <laughs> cover beat. <laughs> Creed beat core. Uh, Creed core. Creed core. (laughs) Oh my god! All right. Yep. Guys, this is the last episode. We're done. We have a lot of a lot of you know cover bands and shit that we we got a lot ideas for. But this is number one. This goes straight to the top of the charts here. Yeah, we're gonna put number one on the whiteboard. Creed core metaphorical tarps. I'm really excited about this. I'm really excited. Now taking applications for drummers. <laughs> you won't do anything. You're not going to do anything. You're no. going to press a button. Yeah. Like repeatedly yeah. for about half an hour. You're going to have so much fun. Yeah. It's going to be great, guys. Oh, my God. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about The Prodigy. Okay. Oh. The 90s saw so many musical genres fighting for their moment in the sun. There was grunge. There was gangster rap. There was alternative boy bands, new metal, third wave ska. And let's not forget techno all of this going on at literally the exact same time at the, the god damn i missed the 90s man this was like was a, a cluster fuck of garbage cornucopia of just <laughs> a mess yeah it's like when you're a kid at school and you're trying to make a rainbow by mixing all the colors together you just get brown <laughs> you just get shit it's brown sound yeah the 90s were a decade of brown sound (laughs) but i love it i love it so much yeah and even still there were a few artists and groups that would defy genre and make it difficult for us to put them in a neat little box and one of them was the prodigy now i'm just gonna assume that most people at best know them for two maybe three songs and think oh well they all kind of sound the same don't they but you couldn't be any farther from the truth the Prodigy has its roots everywhere, from house to metal to hip-hop and anything in between. 
This is a group that broke barriers, made it okay for metalheads to enjoy techno, and for ravers to dabble in rock. And that's because they refused to be pigeonholed. They were always experimenting and open to new ideas. And you'll see just how their ingenuity helped to make them one of the most unique groups to come out of the UK. They were they had most of their popularity in Europe, mm-hmm. right? Because I was going to say, I feel like their their repertoire was far more diverse than what American audiences ever heard. Yeah. And I think a lot of Americans just assume that they were just like straight techno. techno they You could judge all of their sound based on Firestarter and that was it. Right. Because but. I will say like Firestarter Breathe and Smack My Bitch Up have that. They're all on the same album. Mm-hmm. And that album did take a very aggressive turn from their usual music. Yeah. So... I can understand why if that if all you've ever heard was the fat of the land, yeah, yeah you're gonna think that's what Prodigy is. Yeah. And it's oh my god, their albums all sound it's remnant it has remnants of that, but it also is insanely different. Gotta go through their whole discography, man. Yeah. Or just listen to this as Prodigy on Spotify. <laughs> now, when you saw who we were talking about today, odds are, if you even recognize the name, your brain may immediately have imagined the heavily eyelinered dude from the Firestarter video. <laughs> Some of you may even know that his name is Keith Flint. But how many of you knew that he isn't actually the prodigy? Huh. Yeah, no. The prodigy is technically just one guy named Liam Howlett. Now, yes, that is no longer the case. But really, he was the guy who started performing under that moniker. The entire collective would manifest a little bit later down the road. Okay. Liam was born in Braintree, Essex. When he was a child, he began taking piano lessons, and it didn't take long for everyone to see he had a natural talent for learning songs after just a few run-throughs. As a teenager, he discovered an additional talent of mixing songs. He would tape songs off the radio and use the pause button to turn them into remixes. Oh, who hasn't done the tape deck pause or record off the radio, pause, wait for the next song, record, and then pause it at the end, trying very hard not to get the DJ's voice in any of it. Goddamn DJ. Shut up. You know we're recording. Shut up, Casey Kasem. I just want to fucking record my songs without your stupid voice in there. Go be Scooby-Doo somewhere, all right? (laughs) He was influenced by the likes of Grandmaster Flash and the Specials, who oh. used yeah right, and used that to justify exploring different sounds of music. He took up break dancing and started to DJ as well. Yes, Good little for him. little little tiny white boy in Essex is just I'm gonna break dance. I'm gonna break dance. Well, that's the thing that I've learned about um, young white boys in the UK, <laughs> in like. 70s, 60s, 80s. 70s, 80s. They're like, I'm just going to do whatever. I'm going to see if this works for me. Yeah. Hello. And they get away with it. Yeah. I, I think in certain circumstances you can, and I think Liam could. I think like... Yeah. If you're if you're hanging out with that group, and they're doing it anyway, and you're like, all right, I'm going to do this. Yeah. That's different than being like, I see how the black kid's doing it. I'm going to do I'm it I'm just going to do it, but separate from the black kids. Because right, right, black right. kids. Yeah, no. But by the late 80s, the scene was beginning to overwhelm him, especially after a fight broke out at a show. And he decided, I'm just going to go write my own music in my bedroom. Bye, guys. <laughs> Bye. It's a, little, it's a little violent here in the breakdance scene. <laughs> <laughs> Tell my family I love them. Bye. I love nugs. <laughs> 
<laughs> Liam loves nugs. He's just a Pomeranian just floating farther and farther out into the sky. <laughs> See, Liam wouldn't be a bad name for a Pomeranian. That'd be all right. You gotta pretend that he's British, though. Yeah. yeah. I know a lot of people name Liam, though, so I don't know if I would name a dog Liam. Do I hate these Liams? No, I do not. One of them is a child, so no, I don't. All right, fine. I can't. Fine, fine. Now, there seems to be some debate as to where he came up with his name, The Prodigy. One story goes that it was the name of his mixing board, and the other is that it was plain ego, that he wanted a larger-than-life title like Grandmaster Flash had. And I think the truth is likely somewhere in the middle. He yeah. probably wanted the name, couldn't think of it, saw his mixer was The Prodigy, and it's like, oh, well, there we go. That's there it. There we go. And Bob's your uncle. <laughs> pip, pip, cheerio. <laughs> We do English accents real good. Yeah, I hope you guys are impressed. They're not stereotypical at all. Yeah, I think that just I think that's earned us a five star review. <laughs> just that alone. So he had a name, he had a set, and he was ready to hit the underground rave scene, which was in full force in England by 1989. He began to get regular gigs at this place called the Barn, known for their wild raves. Duh. Yeah, this all makes sense. Yep. This time in England had been compared to the Summer of Love from the 60s. People would convene at these large underground parties, dance and do drugs, mainly ecstasy, and have a grand time. And their lives mostly centered around this lifestyle. You know, they all worked these bullshit dead-end jobs, but they lived for, you know, their raves on the weekend. Where they would just go off somewhere and, you know, just be off their faces for an entire weekend and wake up Sunday evening and be like, Oh, fuck, I gotta go to work tomorrow, eh? <laughs> all right, then. Everybody's raving for the weekend. That's true. They yeah. are, though. The Prodigy was a hit with the crowd. Lots of people were digging what Liam brought to the table, especially this punk-ass raver named Keith Flint. <laughs> That's such a... He was just a little punk-ass. That's such a middle America name. Keith Flint. Keith Flint. I, do, you know, do you have any idea how many Keith Flints I know? Do you have any idea how many Keith Flints I went to school with? How many? A lot. Oh, my God! <laughs> They were just fucking around. No, they're all Keith Flint's. I'm pretty sure I know somebody named Keith Flint. We've all met one Keith Flint in our oh, lives. Yeah. There's well, one in every town. This guy is the complete antithesis to what we may think of with a Keith Flint. Good, because he's English. That that helps a lot. That helps. Keith was born in London on September 17th, 1969. He was, unsurprisingly, a bit of a wild child. Hey, he was born in 69. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just meant because, like, if you've seen him in the videos, he's he's crazy. Yeah, he's, because he was born in '69. He's a little nuts, yeah. But also '69. <laughs> <laughs> Balls, dicks. <laughs> his parents split when he was young, and he had a difficult time getting along with them. His father was an engineer and a bit uptight, so he and Keith would have rows often. He was eventually diagnosed with dyslexia, but back oh. then there wasn't much to be done about it. And he was kicked out of school by age 15 for his unruly out? behavior. I think they even tried special classes with him, but he just couldn't. I'm I'm willing to bet he had some form of ADHD as well that was undiagnosed. Probably, and completely untreated. Yeah, and I mean, they had no idea like, how to deal with it. Yeah, I mean, this is like the early 80s. They're yeah. probably just like, I don't know what your fucking problem is, man. He's like, I'm dyslexic and I have ADHD. <laughs> and they're like, I still don't know what your You're problem is. You're just a is. problem, child. <laughs> Get out of here. the curb. That's so. That's pretty much what happened. Bullshit. It is bullshit. Yeah, and at fifteen, they're like, you just, you just gotta go. <laughs> After that, he would pick up a laundry list of odd jobs here and there to get by. 
Because again, like I said, that was the lifestyle. Yeah. You fucking worked a, some dead-end job all week, and then you raved all weekend. That's kind of what we did, I guess, in our 20s, too. I mean, we didn't rave, but... We didn't rave, but we got drunk. We got drunk and, like, watched a lot of reality TV. Any excuse to go have a party and get drunk. Yeah. We, we found it. Yeah, we did. We were good at that. With some coaxing... Keith began to attend raves with his friends. Initially, he was more into post-punk and new wave like Susie and the Banshees and the Jam. Hey. He knew what was up. Yeah. But it didn't take long for him to find a real outlet for his energy at these electronic dance fests. (laughs) Are you going to another one of your electronic Electronic dance dance fests? fests. (laughs) Yes. Flourish the pinky. Yes. At some point, he became friends with a guy named Leroy Thornhill. <laughs> That's a great name. I, I was like, it. I'll give you a minute. Leroy Thornhill. Thornhill. Okay. Leroy Thornhill. <laughs> okay. It's like Leroy Jenkins, but way better. So where are we going with Leroy Thornhill? All right. So they got together and went frequent raves. Leroy was raised in the town of Rain, right outside of Braintree, which I fucking hate that name. Braintree? Braintree. It's terrible. It's terrible. If you are not some sort of like electronic tech company or you don't manufacture like, I don't know, switchboards and motherboards and microchips, then you shouldn't be called Braintree. Agreed. I agree with that sentiment. Nothing should be called Braintree except for those things. Terrible. Anyway, he grew up as an avid football fan. But even more importantly, a lover of the musical stylings of James Brown. And I imagine Mr. Brown was an influence on Leroy becoming a dancer. When the six foot seven man met his wow. five foot seven counterpart, <laughs> it was quickly discovered that the latter wasn't a great dancer. Aww. So Leroy took Keith under his wing, and some nights they would just hang out, play music, and practice dancing together. Aww. Just dance. And they're like, all right, let's just dance. And like, well, how does this look? That looks cool. And like, how about this? No, no, you got to do this instead. Oh, so okay. Leroy ties himself into a pretzel. <laughs> and Keith is like, what? What? I don't have that many limbs. <laughs> My legs are too short. I can't do that. <laughs> I'm just going to sit here and curl into a ball then. I'll be your hype man. And then we can be the group called Pretzel and the Ball. <laughs> <laughs> Pretzel and the Ball, ladies Beautiful. and gentlemen. <laughs> All of this culminates to the barn, where Liam was almost kind of bombarded by this odd couple, telling him how great his music was and offering to be dancers for him when he played live. He figured, why not? And they joined him on stage to help get the crowd going. That is adorable. Right? So, I mean, because picture it. It's the late 80s. Picture it. Late 80s. Some some random barn in London. London. Or not London, but Essex, I think. Yeah. Just picture it. If you think this sounds strange, it was. Because acts like this were not known to play live in groups. So, for the prodigy to come out and do a live DJ set with dancers... And an MC was a complete anomaly. You notice how I said MC there? Mm-hmm. Well, three isn't enough for this group. Soon enough, they added their fourth member, an MC and vocalist named Maxim. Born to Jamaican parents in Petersboro, Keith Palmer was the youngest of seven children. Keith had always loved poetry, so becoming an MC in high school made perfect sense for him. There's two Keiths? Two Keiths. Holy shit. So that's why once Maxim. God, there's a lot of Keiths. Too many Keiths. But Keith Palmer's less frequent than Keith Flint. Huh? 
Well, he's Keith Palmer. Uh-huh. I guess Keith Flint. Yeah. Keith Flint's really common. Uh-huh. I would say Keith Palmer's not. Slightly less common? Yep. I don't know. That's too many Keiths. Too many Keiths. Too many Keiths. There we go. Well, also, I guess what better MC name to give yourself than Maxim? Yeah. Yeah. If you want to differentiate yourself from all the other Keiths in the world. Yeah. Why not just be Maxim? Just name yourself after a really gross dude magazine. I don't know if it was out there back then. I'm sure it wasn't, but. If anything, Maxim magazine was just trying to be Maxim the dude. Yeah. That's, That's what it is. He had joined bands here and there, but never caught any label attention in these groups. He went back home and connected with a friend of his named Ziggy. And Zig said he was kind of managing this new band called The Prodigy and that he would make a good addition to the group. From there, everything just went together like PB&J. Like peas and carrots. Like mac and cheese. Oh, mac and cheese sounds good right now. Right? And soon The Prodigy was doing gigs up in London to pumped up crowds. Liam took this opportunity to work on more songs and eventually ended up with a demo of 10 songs to shop around to labels. He suffered through a handful of disappointments before he finally got the attention of indie label XL Recordings. Now, while The Prodigy was signed to a label, at this point, the only member was considered to be Liam. He still Mm. had Keith, Leroy, and Maxim to assist with live performances, but they were not considered to be part of the group. So, like contracts were all just signed by liam and they only benefited liam see this is another problem i have with electronica bands quote unquote bands groups groups is like there can be like 10 15 members but only one person can actually be like nope it's just me it's like but if if it wasn't for all these other people around you you wouldn't be able to do what you're doing i will counter argue with that with at this point, Liam is legit the only one doing the music. Okay. They are there for the live shows. They are dancing and like emceeing to get the crowd hyped. And from what I've The rest of the guys are just through, hype guys. Yeah. And from what I could tell, I don't think there was any animosity about that. Right. I think they were like... And I, I'm Liam was paying them for their services. Then this so all makes... This it, all checks it worked. out. It totally worked. And like so, at this point, just Liam being the prodigy was fine and made yeah. sense. They are going to grow, but at this current junction, it's fine. Okay, but yeah, there are some times where that's some bullshit. Now, with the label under his belt, it was time to pull out the big guns and work on the prodigy's debut single, which would be called Charlie. The beat is up tempo and aggressive, but what really makes this song stand out is in the sample they used. Hmm. Liam took clips from an old BBC public service announcement for kids called Charlie Says. It's like Scruff McGruff, but way less glamorous. That's weird. Right. I watched some of these, and I'm going to tell you, they creep me right out. So, like, any Just UK listeners. the way you listeners, said it, it sound creepy. <laughs> oh, it is. Like, any UK listeners, I'm sorry if this, like, holds a dear spot in your heart. But also, what the fuck were they thinking? Oh, my thinking? God. From the poor animation style to the unrealistic the unrealistic way that Charlie meows, I feel Wait, like Wait, it's this... a cat? Oh, yeah. Charlie's a cat. Oh. Yeah. I feel like this is the last thing I'd want to see or hear on acid. But, like, what... Can you imagine How... being at a rave? Charlie says... It's like... <laughs> I'm not shitting you. That's what this sounds like. 
I'm going to show you Why could have just been the butthole cat? <laughs> my butthole. Have, I broke my butthole. Because we didn't have the butthole cat yet. But we do now, and thank God for that. Well, now I'll make the butthole cat song. My butthole. Anyway, for what it's worth, though, the song kind of does bop. Like, it's kind of a jam. Yeah. Just as long as the cat part's not happening, I'm pretty I'm much okay. I'm almost here for the creepy cat part, because I don't care for electronica but if there's a creepy fucking cat in it i might get into it oh it's terrifying (laughs) like i could see why it was such a hit in the rave scene it managed to reach number three in the uk singles charts during august 91 yep and they played or they created a ridiculous amount of remixes for it and also a music video with the sample in question being played over live footage of the group performing again this shit is not something i'd want to see on acid though (laughs) The song received mixed reviews. Some praised it for the in-your-face beats that could keep a room dancing for hours, while others outright accused it of killing the rave scene. That's harsh. It's a little harsh. I mean, it's still a baby rave scene, so, like, calm your tits. Right? They were putting the Prodigy in a very small box to be categorized in, basically calling it, quote, Toy Town Techno. Yeah. So they said others were influenced to make more vapid tracks because of this, like Smart Ease, Sesame's Treat, or Urban Hype's A Trip to Trumpton. Whatever. You're a vapid track, you piece of shit. I mean, right? Fuck you, enemy. Suck it. <laughs> but these credits, critics completely discounted the prodigy and decided to write, to write them off on their first go. See, what this group had over the others was growth. Yes, this was a bit of a novelty tune, but it was their first one, and it was merely a doorway to endless avenues that they would take as they continued to create music. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Like, don't count a bitch before she's out. You know Seriously. what else? Don't count your porns before you run out of them. I don't know. I don't know how to transition this. AdamandEve.com. We have a deal for you guys. <laughs> Well, with our deal from AdamandEve.com, you will never run out of porns because you get a bunch of them for free. Yeah. You can. You never have to count a bitch out because she can keep coming. Stop. <laughs> I know. I'm trying so hard, guys. No. Okay. So we have this deal. You can go to AdamandEve.com. You can pick pretty much any one thing. Mm-hmm. Get it for 50% off. And then you get... Three things for free. Three like, mystery items. Mystery items. Tangible mystery items. You don't know what they're going to be. No. That's half the excitement. Exactly. Speaking of Toy Town Techno. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Get it? Toys? That should have been That should have been my fucking segue. It should have been. God damn it. You fucked it up. I fucked it up. <laughs> well, we're going to keep going, though, because you also you get the three toys. Yep. But you know what else you get? Hmm. You get some uh, free shipping. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like... Don't you want that sweet free shipping? Everybody wants free shipping. And you don't have to do a whole lot you to really get don't. it. You don't. You just use our code. Yeah. Which is CandyPod. <laughs> Why did that make you laugh I so much? Know. It's CandyPod. C-A-N-D-Y-P-O-D. Not the band. But you will feel so alive. Yes. And don't forget, we talked about films. You're going to get six. Count them. One, two, three, four. Five, five six. Six. <laughs> six spicy adult films. Super spicy. So spice. Hmm. I mean, also hilarious, but spice. Spicy porn for spicy times. Exactly. So, all right, we're going to run through the list. You get your 50% off. Uh You get your free shit. You get your free porn. You get your free shipping. 
What else can you ask for? It's a lot of free shit. It's a lot of free shit. It's a lot of good free shit. And like, guys, you know what? Like Ashley said, spicy times. Yeah. You need some relief. You do. You need stress. Get it all out before you have to go back to work. Right? Get it all out. Put on some Prodigy and just like, <laughs> oh, get like one of those light up vibrators. And you can like turn out all the lights. Light up vibrator. And like I've said before, the light up cock ring. Yes. Yeah. Like all these oh, light yeah, up you things. Can just you have, can like a porn rave. You can like rave fuck. Oh my it's God. Great. You can rave fuck. You can rave fuck. You can fucking rave. Either way, you're having a good time. Oh my God. <laughs> Again, that's all you have to do is use our code CandyPod, C A N D Y P O D, not the band, but yep. you will feel so alive and ravey. I kind of want to have a fuck rave now. <laughs> Isn't that what raves are? I, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I've never been to one. And nor shall you. Never. No, thank you. No, thank you, ma'am. I'm good. All right. Well, that's that's enough about... Well, that's not enough about raves. We're going to keep talking about raves. But that is enough about sex for now. <laughs> for now. For now. So we're at the beginning of the 90s. Picture it. It's the 90s. <laughs> in a weird barn in Essex, England. <laughs> The techno scene is changing a bit at this point. Some were critical of the Prodigy song Charlie and wanted to blame it for ruining the rave scene as they knew it. But the guys fought back this accusation, saying that what's to blame is the authorities finally cracking down on these secret parties. And while it was disappointing for the rave scene to be losing its underground mystery, the counterbalance to this was now techno was finding its way into the mainstream and becoming popular with the masses. I think it's funny that critics from like NME and shit are like they're ruining the rave scene I'm sorry NME do you have critics that are regularly going to raves because I, I'm pretty sure that you don't I will say I'm not 100% sure if, uh, if all these critics were from NME but I just like I like coming for them yeah because I don't really love NME but like where else are they going to come from Rolling Stone pretty much guarantee no critic on Rolling Stone's payroll is going to raise on a regular basis. We're at Coachella. Mm. Yeah, the the toilet at the barn at the rave isn't nice enough for a fucking Rolling Stones writer. Yeah, they're they're really into going to the Cow Palace at Seattle to ne- find the next Nirvana at oh, this point. God. At this point in the 90s. Oh, I threw up in my mouth and that's not the indigestion. I don't know if Cow Palace is actually in Seattle, but like, don't come for me. That was the first thing that came to my head. <laughs> but it sounds, I believe it. I'm pretty sure it's in, it's, it's in the no- Pacific North, Northwest somewhere. Yeah. I was close. Good enough. Good enough. In December 1991, the Prodigy released the single Everybody in the Place, which was a complete hit, reaching number two in the charts. The only thing that understandably kept it from number one. Mm-hmm. was Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody, which was re-released right after, after... Wayne's World. No, after Freddie died. Oh, after Freddie died. Okay. <laughs> Wayne's World was the next year. This is 91. But it peaked again after Wayne's World. I think it only peaked in the States, though. Probably. Yeah, this was in just the UK. Well, this makes sense, then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh Wayne's World. No. No. <laughs> Charlie says <laughs> it's not Wayne's world. It's not. Sorry. Weird <laughs> fucking Charlie cat. <laughs> Terrifying. 
Many in the underground scene were apprehensive to stop playing raves or to put their music on albums. But not the prodigy. The general consensus with everyone was that they weren't in this biz for anyone but themselves. And for them to show their faces and become popular didn't feel like selling out to them. Mm-hmm. A lot of people were like, oh, man, but if like we do videos and we like put our music out for people to buy, we're going to be sellouts. And they're like, oh my eh, God. fuck you, we're going to do it anyway, though. Suck my dick. Stop it with the sellout bullshit. Suck my dick and choke on it. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> yeah, fuck you. <laughs> it was only a matter of time then that they released their first full-length album called Experience. It was written and produced by Liam and pretty much only him, except on the last track called Death of the Prodigy Dancers, which was performed by Maxim. Does this have something to do with Keith... And um, the other guy, what's his name? Leroy. Leroy, that's it. Well, I mean, they all danced. Was it a reference to them? Like, Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was just like, hey, we're the prodigy dancers and we're here to say. <laughs> no, that is not how that fucking song goes at all. <laughs> oh, that would be a very unfortunate thing if it did. And we wouldn't be talking about them right yeah. now if that's how that went. <laughs> Experience was a breakout hit, reaching number 12 in the UK charts, eventually going platinum and even gold in Poland. Oh. Hey, give the, the Polish that they knew what was up. The Polish do weirdly know what's up. They're when on... it comes to electronica and um, black metal. metal. Yeah. They're on Henry Rollins' What's Up hotline. They are. They're actually telling him what's up sometimes. And he's like, oh, wow, Poland, thanks for letting me know. Go, go listen to Span the Prodigy. <laughs> Thanks, Gall. You're real cool. Except when you put pig's heads on your stage. It's real fucking weird. Maybe stop doing that. Weird. <laughs> you're scaring those vice kids, but it's a really funny documentary. <laughs> Watch that documentary. It's really so good. good. <laughs> the hyperactive dance beats were music to the ears of critics and fans alike. Even though he's garbage, Moby praised this album, saying it really changed his perception on dance albums, which... Oh, did it, Moby? Did it? (laughs) Suck my dick. I don't care. I'm sorry. Okay, I got that out of my system. Were you going to say the same thing? Like, yeah, but like, I was just going to blame the prodigy for Moby. (laughs) Like, man, if he never heard that, maybe he never would have made music. Uh. Thanks, Prodigy. But also, you right though. But suck my dick, suck Moby. my dick, Moby. I don't care. Nobody cares what you think. You're a bad person. Kinda. But a lot of. The Prodigy proved they were not a novelty and that dance music could be taken seriously as a genre. Unlike many who came before, the songs ranged in different styles and samples and was much more imaginative than the weak cash-in albums many DJs fell back on back then. Mm-hmm. Funny enough... Liam initially wanted to create a concept rave album after being influenced by Pink Floyd. <laughs> that whole sentence is just like, no. <laughs> that's, no. That's the real Bug Bunny meme of, uh, no. no. <laughs> well, however, after he began working on it, he did find it was limiting and tossed the idea out in order to be more inventive. Good for you. Right? Again, that would have been a... We wouldn't be talking about him. (laughs) We would not be. (laughs) In 94, British Parliament finally passed the Criminal Justice Act, which seemed to restrict the citizens from their rights to gather, especially with the heavy shutting down of unlicensed raves. In response, the Prodigy put out their song, Their Law. 
With the rave scene losing its sparkle for the boys, Liam decided the next best step would be a tour of the UK pub and club scene. Because, I mean... Why not? They can't do fucking raves anymore. Yeah. Because UK kind of... Put the kibosh on that. Thanks, guys. Fun times. Here they discovered that playing to a room full of people with pints in their hands was a bit different than playing to a bunch of kids licking each other's faces high on ecstasy. (laughs) Yeah, it's a little bit different. It's a little different. But it was a great learning lesson for Liam as far as songwriting was concerned. And he would use that perspective when writing the follow-up album. Just two years after their debut, The Prodigy released their sophomore effort, Music for a Jilted Generation. It was clearly a a reaction to everything going around them at the time. Although it's funny because... You might hear that and be like, that's a real angsty title. And even yeah. them nowadays are like, eh, it was a bit dramatic of that's, a name of an album. We understand. We were young. Like, we were angry. This is their, like, Fallout Boy album. Yeah. This is, you know. Yeah. The, the take this to your grave of Prodigy albums. Yeah. This is the one where they're, I mean, fucking solid album. But I think yeah. they just wish they named it something different. They had but options. But you know what? It. I think it also is just very telling of the times. Yeah. Because, I mean, the UK back then wasn't super happy times. Yeah. So, that's, you know. You had tracks like No Good, Start the Dance, which was playing on the growing popularity of club house music, contrasting from songs like Poison. It's not Poison like That Girl is Poison. Oh, as soon as you said Poison, I was like, Poison! That girl is Poison! <laughs> it's not. It's not that at all. Is it the band Poison? No. It's their own song called Poison. And it was their attempt at hip hop. And again, it was ne- this album was nearly 100% done by Liam, except again for Maxim, he wrote Poison. So Poison. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I can't help it. Actually, it's it's a pretty fucking solid song. Like you can see them getting harder, like more rocky techno bait. Speaking of hard, have you gone on AdamandEve.com and used our code? God damn it. It was a more aggressive sound. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. Dick jokes. Yeah. I like completely lost my momentum. Ruining the atmosphere for millennia. Dick jokes. Dick jokes. Anyway, it wasn't just the song Poison, by the way. Mm-hmm. It's not Poison, but Poison. He goes, I am the poison. I am the remedy. It's, it's, he's very angry. They're all very he angry. He always sounds angry. Well, no, that's not Keith Flint. That's Maxim. Oh, Jesus Christ. They're too different. many Keiths. But he's not called Keith. <laughs> but one of the other songs that was you know, really taking more of a rock-based path was the song Voodoo People, which is based on one of our favorite songs, Nirvana's Very Ape. Oh, really? Yeah, they had a guitar come in and play a very similar dernerner, and uh-huh. like that's just like the guitar beat throughout the whole song. Yeah. I'll have to play it for you. It's actually really, it's a really good song. Well, how about that? Right? Actually, Liam was very influenced by the grunge movement. He really enjoyed the rock and like... He was influenced by Red Hot Chili Peppers, <sighs> but I think Granted, they were they influenced by their yeah. They weren't. They weren't as insufferable as they are now. They really weren't, and they they were very influenced by the energy that they had on stage. 
Liam was finding himself inspired not only by the grunge movement, but also by bands like Rage Against the Machine, because he wanted these angry guitars in songs with a message. He also appreciated the in-your-face energy from rock shows, like I had mentioned with Red Hot Chili yeah. Peppers, and he began to incorporate that in their live shows. That's With the cool. help, of course, of the Keiths and Leroy. <laughs> they even brought on guitarists to play live with them. At this point, they were calling themselves a hard dance band and refused to compromise and were steady to avoid ex- overexposure by refusing to play on UK TV shows like Top of the Pops. Yeah, I don't really see Prodigy on Top of the Pops. Yeah, they wanted them to show up, but they're like, nah, I don't want to. No, I agree with them on that. Yeah. Well, now they definitely prove themselves to be the opposite of a one-hit wonder novelty act, because this album debuted at number one in the UK, and even peaked in the top 50 in the States. Critics praised its harder, more raw sound, and saw it as a sign of maturity from the prodigy. Huh. So like I said, like, yes, they start with this bullshit kitty crap, but they, like, quickly grew into, like, more mature music. Yeah. Liam was full-on into guitars now. He began to record different riffs and mess around with the samples, mixing them in different ways, trying to be as aggressive as possible. In 95, he went back to work on the next album and found himself inspired by the Foo Fighters song Weenie Beanie, (laughs) as well as the Breeders' S.O.S. And from those would come the instrumental for the Prodigy's best-known song, Firestarter. An instrumental it was supposed to stay until Keith had a listen. This is Keith Keith, not Maxim Keith. Real Keith. Number one Keith. Number one Keith. <laughs> he had to listen and asked if he could have a chance at putting some vocals to it. And the result would be the scrappy yet aggressive tune we still know and love today. Liam was taken aback that Keith was insisting on doing vocals, since up till now he was strictly a dancer and never really sang. Except along to you 2 songs here and there. No. <laughs> I really like Bono. He's got a good song. I guess. Twisted Bono Starter. <laughs> Twisted Garbage Picker. <laughs> and Enya's like, he knows. He and, knows. Yeah. But he wrote lyrics that reflect his role in the band as the one who gets the crowd up and going at the show. The single was released in 96, along with the iconic music video. Yes. And this gave everyone a real appetite for what the Prodigy was about to release in 97, their album, Fat of the Land. It was at this point that Liam knew the prodigy was more than just himself. Maxim, Keith, and Leroy were all just as much a part of this machine. You'll notice on the cover of this album, he drops the the on the cover of before prodigy. So just right. as prodigy. I was wondering why I was like, I thought it was just prodigy. It is still technically the prodigy, but in that album, he took off the the. Interesting. Yeah. Because I think it was like his way of being like, no, we're This a is slightly different. Yeah. The album was a worldwide hit, reaching number one in countries like Spain, Australia, Norway, and of course the U.S. They finally made it, even if that wasn't the goal. But getting that attention isn't always a good thing. Hmm. Now with more eyes on them, there was more room for scrutiny. And they got a lot for the single really? and subsequent video for Smack My Bitch Up. Yeah, they did. Mm. Now, the National Organization for Women were outraged by the song, saying it promoted violence against women. But Liam said it had nothing to do with the actual striking of a woman. Smack my bitch up is a slang phrase said when you want to do something with extreme manic energy. 
I think it's some kind of raver type thing. Scene. Also, it's British. It. I get it, but also not a good analogy. Not a good like way of talking about it. I don't know because when I think about it in the British context, and also I've never heard that. I've never heard that song and thought he was saying like hit someone. But also, it's a sample of a different song. Oh. Like, none of them are singing Smack My Bitch Up. That's a sample from an older song. <laughs> so, like... It goes deeper. It goes deeper. these guys. Yeah. and it's like that. I don't know. Like, I always just assumed, like, maybe you were getting into a fight and the person you're getting into a fight with is a bitch. <laughs> like, I just... They usually are a bitch. Yeah, but... right? Like, if I'm going to get a fight in someone, you know they a bitch. Yeah. But I just mean... Come on, guys. Really? I mean, I guess it's 97 and we got to get upset about things. Yeah. We don't have anything to get upset about right now. We're not upset like we are upset today. So we had to get upset about something. Yeah. But they weren't having it. And neither were a lot of the radio stations or even the Beastie Boys who asked them that they not play it at the Reading Festival due to its perceived connotations. Fed up with the misinterpretation of their song, Maxim introduced the song by saying... Hey, we were told not to play it, but I do whatever the fuck I want, so we're going to play it anyway. (laughs) Not helping was the music video, which, if you've seen it, you know is pretty controversial, at least for the 90s. Yes. Eh, maybe still a little controversial. For those of you who don't know, it's a first-person point-of-view music video that falls around this person who is going out in the town. It's real Blair Witch. It is. It's real blurry. Yeah. Real blurry witch. (laughs) It really is, though. Like, I rewatched it a couple days ago. I'm like, I can't fucking tell what's going on in half of this. (laughs) It's complete with tons of drugs and alcohol, lots of fist fighting, explicit sex with a stripper. And when you get to the end, the person looks in the mirror and you see it's been a woman the whole time. Oh, progressive. My God. But I mean, you know, the first time you watched it, you're like, this fucking asshole. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this fucking douchebag. And you get to it's like a chick and you're like, well, now I don't know how to feel about this. Yeah. That so, chick is an asshole. That chick. Yeah. I feel like I feel like it's progressive in saying, see, anyone can be an asshole. <laughs> Guys, we're all assholes. We're all fucking assholes. I feel like that's, well, I don't want to give Jonas Ackerlin that much credit. I'd rather give that credit to the prodigy. Yeah. It shouldn't surprise you when I say Jonas Ackerlin directed this video. He was inspired after a night of partying in Copenhagen. Was he? Insert eye roll. There it is. Yeah, I did it. I know. I was like, I'm going to wait for Ashley's eye roll. There it is. Like any cred he could have gotten from being the original drummer of Bathory, he just chucked it out the window he was like, in the oh, 90s. Did I want credit for this? No. I'm just going to crumple up I'm, this paper. Hold on. Hold on. Light it on fire. Let it burn a hot second. Toss it out the window. That's it. <laughs> Missile sound. <laughs> Plunk. Yeah. Yeah. That's what Jonas Ackerlin did to any of or Jonas. It's Jonas, Whatever. right? Jonas His Ackerlin. name is Jonas. <laughs> <laughs> He's carrying the nineties. <laughs> Thanks for all you shown us. <laughs> but it really sucks. Oh. <laughs> it did though. Yeah. MTV played it in the middle of the night for a couple weeks, but took it down after now sent in a request to stop showing it. Funny thing, even with all this controversy surrounding it, it's still won Best Dance Video and Breakthrough Video. Mm-hmm. It did. So. So. Fuck off. Yeah. Like, I'm just kind of like, guys, really? 
like the violence isn't cool, but there's drug use. There's like, I guess what I'm saying is I don't see how this is any different from like a any, movie, any movie you've seen. Like, cause I don't think it's glorifying this. Or I think any, it is 100% cause you're watching this video. Like this person's a fucking asshole. Or any like bullshit reality TV show that MTV subsequently aired on their own fucking channel. Right. So, I mean, I just don't know why this is like. Oh my god, it says bitch and like a, a woman gets slapped or because pushed down or pushed and like oh god. We were really fucking close to the Reagan years and the Clinton years. And we were in them Clinton years. We were in the Clinton years and we just couldn't handle this. Mm. Thanks Nancy Reagan. <sighs> fucking cunt. <laughs> She's kind of a cunt. Fight so. me Nancy. Fight me Nancy. Oh, you're dead? Oh. <laughs> back from the grave and fight me nancy reagan i'm you up let's fight oh my god we got i got some ghosts i can use ghost fight ghost fight <laughs> give me some ghost bait for my ghost fight <laughs> oh. we can just dangle a tupac cd over her grave oh and she'll gosh. just claw up. she'll be so angry She's so angry She's clawing so out of mad <laughs> so mad despite the controversy heck probably in part because of it the prodigy had officially blurred the lines of dance and rock. They were ruffling the feathers of traditional techno fans who thought they got too hard and metal fans who thought they were too dancey. Can't please anybody. So let's please nobody. Yep. But honestly, it's pretty metal. That's fine. But they began to get themselves in metal magazines like Kerrang! and even got onto big traditionally rock tours like Lollapalooza. No one no- knew how to categorize them, and that's how they liked it. They didn't want to be put into tiny, neat little boxes. They did the tour for the album. They did the performances on award shows. They played their part. But it would be some time before Liam felt any real desire to start writing new music. Hmm. So the band decided that maybe a little break was in order. Because why force music if it's not there? Yeah, that's again, how you end up in that sophomore slump. Right. So they're like, we're not going to do this again. I mean, this is our third album. Yeah. And they're still riding pretty high. So why force it? This may have also been encouraged after Leroy made the decision to leave the group. Oh. Yeah. It was at this point he wasn't really sure where he fit into the band, and the usual schedule of touring was wearing him down. His bandmates understood, and they parted ways amicably. Okay. Yeah, they're still friends. Just, he was like, I don't think this is for me. Like, that's fine. Okay. During their break, Maxim worked on a solo album. Liam created some special guest mix for radio, and Keith took up motocross, or as I prefer to call it, Excite bike. <laughs> this is like way more intense than the end part of Paperboy. <laughs> Kid went from being a Paperboy to Excite bike. It's not just going off of tiny little ramps and avoiding cones. No, it's, it's this is far real. more intense than that. This shit's real. Yeah. Move over. Motocross paperboy. is real. I mean, it is. People die. <laughs> it's a real thing. People die. No, they do. I know. It's oh, okay. terrible. <laughs> I could never tell when you're being sincere or, serious or joking. It was only a couple of years, and in 2002, they reunited, going back to work on their next single, Baby's Got a Temper, which, dang, critics hated the song. No, did baby have a temper? Critics had a temper mm. about the song. Well. I mean, it sounded like many just wanted Firestarter Part 2. Well, here we go. Enemy just called them, quote, total fucking idiots. I'm sorry. 
enemy is calling somebody to- total fucking idiots. Yeah. Oh boy. Oh boy. Look, I mean, it's not a groundbreaking song, but it's decent. Yeah. I they do like a hot second where they sample Firestarter to kind of like I don't know. It's they're trying to be metaphorical and showing their growth, and maybe they tried a little hard. But I also still think it's a catchy tune. Okay. I I feel it's a bit unwarranted that everyone <laughs> fucking hated it. Didn't help that they stirred up controversy again. As Keith references the date rape drug Rohypnol in the chorus. Now, now. However, he's not saying that he's giving it to someone. He's saying he's taking it to forget it all. It doesn't matter. You mentioned it and therefore it's bad. I mean, yeah. Honestly, for better or worse, you're not wrong. But this is also like 2002. But that's how people react to it. They don't care what context it's in. It's only that word and you're singing it. In a single that is released to the masses, and therefore people are going to get their panties in a wad because you just mention it. Doesn't matter how you're trying to make it sound. Yeah. And it's sad, to, too, though, because later Liam would denounce the song, and it wasn't because of what Keith was singing in it. It was mm-hmm. because of Keith's personal experience with the drug. Oh. He was saying he took Rohypnol to forget it all. It's true. That was autobiographical. Wow. Like, Keith had a problem with drinking and drugs in a way to deal with the stressful life on the road, but also probably a type of um, self-therapy. Yeah. uh, Self-medicating after having such a crap childhood, in part thanks to his dad. Thanks, dad. Yeah. He had a rad dad. He had a shit dad. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly. So Keith definitely has issues with depression at this point and um, drug abuse, which are starting to show. Mm Mm-hmm. The song was initially supposed to be part of their next album, but after some reworking, it got nixed and they released Always Outnumbered, Never Outgunned, without the popular, the unpopular single. Always Outnumbered was a bit of a departure from what they usually put out. It seemed to suffer a little from that too many cooks in the kitchen, Mm -hmm. as they had many collaborators on this record, which I think they thought would help, but it definitely kind of put it all over the place. I mean, it did well commercially, but critics couldn't seem to figure out where they landed on it. And overall, it just gave them a real middle-of-the-road final grade. Mm. But also, fuck critics. Just passing. Mm-hmm. A nice 65. 66. Oh, okay. Well, just slightly above passing. Just slightly above passing. Unfortunately for them, even one mediocre album was enough for their label to drop them. Just one record? Yeah. They were like, nope. You're done. Get the fuck out of here. There had to have been something else going uh, on. Probably. But they, were, I... they were probably trying to chase whatever big musical fad was going on. And they were like, oh, tr- Prodigy's old news. Yeah, Get I mean, honestly, here. yeah, by 2002. Who knows? But it was UK based, so I don't know why they would think that. They would then work with the label Cooking Vinyl to make their own label Take Me to the Hospital. That's a weird fucking name but for a label. But also fits the Prodigy? I guess. I don't know. At this point, the Prodigy just wasn't as big a thing in the States. I think some of their shiny just wore off for us because we can't stick with anything for more than a couple years. Yeah, we can't. Especially Everything if it, is flash in the pan. Especially if it's really popular in the UK or Europe. Yeah. We're like, one hit wonder, you're, you're done. Yeah. That's it. That's all we can handle. At best, we'll let you have two albums. Yeah. At best. But that doesn't mean they still weren't a big deal in the UK. In November 2008, they released the album Invaders Must Die. 
This one fared much better than their last, still reaching number one in the UK, but at least peaking within the top 100 of the US. Well, there you go. <laughs> Liam wanted to take them in a direction that was more like a mashup of their past albums. They may not have been moving masses around the world like they used to, but they were still getting the attention of big deal folk like Dave Grohl, who played drums on the track Run With The Wolves. Well, shit. He just gets around, doesn't he? He does. You know, Dave Grohl guests on Henry Rollins' What's Up Hotline a lot. Obviously. Yeah. Dave Grohl knows what's up. And then the past decade saw them release two more albums, The Day Is My Enemy in 2015 and No Tourists in 2018. Let me tell you, their recent work is just as good as what they came out with in the 90s. Still full of energy and adapting to new ideas while not losing that essence of the prodigy. Despite them putting out new music that's been charting fairly well, at least as far as Europe and the dance charts go, it just doesn't seem like they'll ever have the popularity that they did in the 90s. They've been asked about this, and they wonder if it's due in part to the the changing landscape of how we absorb media now. I mean, people aren't buying physical records. It's like people are just listening to music on Spotify Mm -hmm. and like algorithms and everything's different now. Yeah. Nevertheless, the Prodigy was not slowing down. They were still creating music and still touring. Things seemed arguably like they were still going to go well in the right direction for them. But everything stopped on March 4th, 2019, just a little over a year ago. Police were called to Keith Flint's home after some had voiced concern for his welfare. When they got there, they found him dead on the scene. Wow. From what was likely a suicide from hanging. Oh. Officials found no reason to suspect foul play, but coroners were not quick to deem it a suicide as they found a large amount of drugs and alcohol in his system. Oh, this is so Kurt Cobain. Yeah. Well, no. After a few days investigation, it was officially deemed a suicide, though the coroner says the conclusion is more open-ended because of the drugs in his system. It's hard to tell what he was thinking in that moment. Well, I mean, that was the same thing as Kurt, because a lot of people said that he had so much heroin in his system that he wouldn't have physically been able to even hold up a gun, let alone shoot himself. See, the way this coroner's saying it is it's almost like he's trying to say, well, if he wasn't high and drunk, he wouldn't have killed himself. Mm. Which I think is a really weird... Yes... Maybe he wouldn't have. You know, there's the liquid courage that comes with that. Mm -hmm. But I also feel like that's also a symptom of your depression. Yeah. So, I mean, it could have been intentional and like, I'm going to take a bunch of drugs and alcohol and kill myself. Yeah. I mean, that kind of happens a lot. Yeah, that's pretty much what happens. I don't know if this coroner just didn't want to say it was a suicide. I don't know. I don't know if that affects how... I don't know. Paperwork? I don't know. know. It was, I thought it was a very strange thing because to me, when I read through the facts, I'm like, this seems like a pretty blatant suicide. I mean, hanging? Yeah. And there's absolutely no evidence that anyone else was there. Right. So. Yeah, that kind of seems to me like it was suicide. It was intentional suicide. Right. But I can also see, I guess, how, I guess you want to give it a benefit of the doubt? I guess. Maybe? I don't know. Yeah, it was very strange. It's only been a year, and Liam and Maxim still feel his loss, and they plan on finishing a new album in honor of Keith's memory. The Prodigy is a band that I look at and think needs to be celebrated more, and we should be seeing more music like this in the mainstream. 
They created a real melting pot of sounds, mixing electronica with hip-hop and rock so seamlessly. But they would never be the ones to say that. The guys hate the idea of being placed in a genre, and they would say they're just making prodigy music, nothing else. This band does not and never has compromised their values or creative control for the sake of an extra dollar or more radio play. So, actually, maybe it shouldn't be in the mainstream more. Because they'd probably hate it, and we arguably don't deserve it. And everyone would call them sellouts anyway. Right. But, like, what are they selling out from? I don't know. I I don't know. Like, it's that classic story of, like, I mean, reading through it and watching them in interviews, these guys seem pretty solid. Yeah. Like, they are 100% making music they believe in. They're talented at it. Mm -hmm. Because, like I said, I feel their music is consistently good. Like, if you do like Firestarter and Breathe and Smack My Bitch Up, you're gonna like their other albums. Yeah. It's still really good. You might not like Charlie, though. Charlie's terrifying. <laughs> now I just want to hear it, though. Well, I'll play it for you. Does it sound terrifying. like any of those weird Meow Mix songs oh, no. that are on Spotify? Oh, no. Because <laughs> if they are, I will love it. Oh, no. It's terrifying. <laughs> but yeah, so that's the story of Prodigy. The Prodigy, even. Both. The and just Prodigy. I mean, yeah, actually, honestly, yeah. Yeah, I I really got into their music. It's such a fucking shame that Keith Flint died. Mm -hmm. Like, and I mean, suicide is just always... He suffered from depression the whole time. In the song Firestarter, you know, he has, like, the lyrics, I'm the one you hated and, like, self-inflicted. Yeah. And he's been asked about that in interviews, and they were like, oh, like, is this about, like, your psychology or something? Mm-hmm. I, you know, whatever. He's like, I'm, I don't really want to fucking talk about that in a fucking magazine interview. <laughs> Which, like, fuck, again, I don't blame fucking him. kudos. Like, they would they would say in interviews sometimes, like, I, don't know, I know what you want me to talk about. I don't really want to talk about it. Like, I'd rather, they just want to talk about their music. They hated talking about, like, personal their emotions stuff. or personal things. Yeah. You I know? totally understand that. Yeah, so I like really respect that about them. Um and like even though some might think Liam's a bit hot headed, like he thinks a lot of himself, I think he's earned that right. He's he said things like, you know, I think we deserve to be just as popular as Oasis. Mm-hmm. I don't know why we're not up there with them. Because I mean, I think they should be. I think they're better Probably than better. <laughs> Honestly. Uh <laughs> I don't even need a gun to my head. I will pick the <laughs> Prodigy every time because I like the Prodigy. I really never need to hear Wonderwall again. I don't think any of us need to. I don't think anyone ever needs to hear Wonderwall yeah, again. Yeah, we don't. I've had my fill. I don't need it anymore. No, it's, it's just it's, one to bread. It's certainly towing that red line. <sighs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. But yeah. So thanks, guys, for listening to our yeah. story on the Prodigy. We hope you guys bring your kids back to a day. When you wore really big pants with belts on them and like the spike collars yeah. and and had weird fucking hair. Oh, is that you still now? Yep. Good for you. Because <laughs> fucking good for you. Not yep. enough just like sitting in your fucking parents' basement listening to the Prodigy and playing Final Fantasy VII on your PS1. Oh yeah, didn't I brought just, you all back, didn't I? Didn't they? They just redid a Final Fantasy. Was it seven? seven? Yeah. Yeah. We are living in a time that was. Oh my god! Years now ago. I just want to like play Final the Final 30 Fantasy. Thirty years remake. ago. Holy fuck! It was thirty years ago. No, it wasn't. 
90s were 30 years ago. Well, yeah, but 97. We're not there yet. You bite your fucking yeah, tongue. Yeah, no. God damn it. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, so thanks for listening. We hope you guys enjoyed it. And if you are digging it, you should go to our website, www.rockcandypodcast.com. And over there, we've got more episodes. You can comment on them. You can toss us an email if you've got anything you want to say. How you doing? How's your mother? Hey, Say hi to her for me. Say hi to your mother for me. Yeah. <laughs> and then you can get hit us up on our social medias. we got Facebook. we got Instagram. we got Twitters. Twitter kind of sucks, though. So, like, Facebook and Instagram's better. Way better. Yeah. Certainly. Um, I'm yeah. kind of tired of Twitter. We're all fucking tired of Twitter. So. Like, also, like, why is why does Trump still have a Twitter? What's <laughs> Come on. going on with that shit? Yeah. But that's neither here nor there. Also, if maybe maybe this wasn't your cup of tea, but you still want more music podcasts, head on over to our network. It's Pantheon Podcasts, and over there you are going to get a full smorgasbord of any kind of music podcast you could be looking for. Stories from A to Z. Yeah. Zed. Zed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> A to Zed. Yeah. And also, you can always give to our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Podcast, and you can get a whole bunch of sweet shit if you give us some money. Speaking of giving us money, last week we said we were going to see about donating money, our Patreon money, and we would match it and yada yada yada. Well, guess what? We're doing it. Oh, we're doing it. So we weren't just saying it. We're we doing weren't just it. saying it. We were doing it. We got some other people to match our donations also. So all together, we currently have about six hundred dollars. Yeah. That we are going to split between two organizations. Um, the first one is the African American Cultural Center of the Capital Region, which is local to us. Mm-hmm. They unfortunately had uh, their building broken into during the riots that happened after the peaceful protests that we attended mm-hmm. last week. And they had a bunch of their stuff stolen. So we're going to give about $300 to them. Yep. And the other one was... Um, in Our Own Voices. In Our Own Voices, which is another local... Um, black-led organization that is in our area, and they specifically cater to supporting um, LGBTQ plus people of color. Mm-hmm. So we're going to give about $300 to them. Yeah. Um, if you guys are in the area, and or if you're not, if you go check them out and their stories speak to you, please feel free to donate whatever you want to them as well. Yes. Or just use that this as motivation to donate to one of your LGBTQ Plus of color organizations, arts organizations, people of color, you know, shit isn't over yet, guys. Like, it's still, we're still going. Yeah, and even if you can't um, give money to these organizations, give them a hand. Yeah, or even just promote them. Even, like, an hour out of your week. Yeah. They would appreciate that. Try to buy from more um, people of color businesses. Yes, Please do and follow their podcasts, yeah. find them, listen to them, learn from them. Yes, please. All of these things. And don't ask dumb questions. Yeah. Just listen. <laughs> just listen. I just real quick want to thank uh, dad. I don't remember his. He's just a dad. He's just a dad. That likes our, doesn't care that we swear. <laughs> and uh, a plebe who also yep. likes that we swear. They gave us five star reviews lately. So thank you guys so much. We appreciate that you. That felt nice. Yeah, that felt really good. <laughs> and we're glad that you guys like that we say bitch a lot. Yeah, and fuck, because fuck. Man, they sure do say bitch a lot. So, I mean, if you want to tell us that you like that we swear, go ahead and leave us a five star review. That's cool. <laughs> that counteracts all the one star reviews that's hate 
the fact that we swear. Yeah, right. So. Yeah. Anyway, so next week. Next week we have a special episode. I am so excited for next week. So, I'm excited and I'm nervous. But I'm excited, but I'm nervous. She's but I'm nervous excited, excited. But I'm nervous because one of the most wonderful people that I have ever met, kind of. Probably. Um, is going to be on our show next week. Yeah. The the originator of one of my absolute favorite bands. You are in this spoiling world. it now. I'm not. Now you're spoiling because I it. don't think anybody knows what I'm going, what what this band is and who this person oh is. Oh my god! So. Everybody knows who this band is. I don't think they do though. All right, but it is very exciting. Don't know how we manage this, but here we are. The power of social media is how we manage. This. Right again, Instagram. <laughs> Better than Twitter. Seriously. Fuck you, Twitter. It's all Instagram. Even fault, though the gram I'm... is owned by the fucking douche nozzle from Facebook. Yeah. The Berg. The Zucks. The Zucker nerd. Zucker douche. Zucker turd. Anyway, that's enough about this. <laughs> so come in next week. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a fun one. And until then, party on Ashley. Party on Maggie. Party on you crazy kids out there. Balls out, thank you. <laughs>